Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Premier League Daily from the Sports Social. Hello and welcome back to Premier League Daily, a brand new Premier League podcast every single day of the Premier League season. Currently, we're not in season, so we're giving you little tidbits, little tasters to get you warmed up for the brand new season. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about VAR. What is it good for? And no doubt, coming up with the answer that it's good for absolutely nothing. Ahead <laughs> I was going to say, that's the short answer. Yeah, into the Premier League season, next, into the Premier League next season. We're going to decide if Rashford and Lingard should be handed their P45s for a load of funny social media videos. I'm going to be looking at the movers and shakers in the transfer window that so far hasn't had a great deal of moving or shaking. We've got Phil Hudson in the studio. Yeah. Still, still, <laughs> we're going to talk about Newcastle a little bit later as well, which is why Phil's settling like that. Despondent. <laughs> Steve McNaughton's over there. Hello, mate. Nile McCorn's over there Hi, as well. Jim. Let's talk about VAR mm. for the umpteenth time in around to, 12 Jim? months. Well, do yeah, we, we do to? because this World Cup, the Women's World Cup that's going on has raised some interesting questions about VAR. It is mm. coming to the Premier League next season and oh dear. every single time we're seeing any VAR decision it is causing exactly what it was there to avoid doing in the first place. It's calling, causing more controversy and it's causing more debate around the decisions that are being made. There's a really simple solution for this. I don't understand why they don't just implement the way that they use video technology in other sports, like cricket. Yes. Give a manager a referral per half. Mm. Oh, I don't like that decision, Mr. Referee. I'm going to drop a flag somewhere, and you're going to have to go and have a look at it. Yeah. One one per half. If you're successful, you keep your referral. If you're unsuccessful, it's overturned. Yeah. And if a player does a referral, maybe book them for a tedious referral or something like that, if it's ridiculous. Mm. And also in cricket, they have a thing um, when reviewing decisions, particularly LBW, called umpire's call, mm. where if it's very, very marginal, as in, you know, it's almost nonsensical to, to review the decision, 
there's something called umpire's call where it stays with the original decision that the umpire made. Benefit goes to the on-field referee. The benefit goes to the man in the middle. In this Mm. situation for offsides, we saw an offside in the England game, the Women's World Cup, where it was literally a boot lace. Now, the whole point of offside is, are you gaining an advantage of being in an offside position? If you're half a yard, yes. Half a yard in terms of professional sport, you are gaining an advantage. If your elbow, I know you can't play the ball with the elbow. There's so many different facets to offside, which is what makes this such a cloudy topic. But, you know, if you're, if you're half a bootlace offside, yes, you can score with your bootlace, but is it an advantage? That's that's the question. And that's probably why the whole idea of this umpire school thing, looking at other sports, for instance, the Hawkeye in tennis, cricket is a good example. Rugby league um, as well. Rugby league does it. So, I mean, there are ways that we can implement VAR. And there's, there's I don't think it's being done properly. There's different issues here. The one you're talking about is the idea that, as you rightly said, in the Lionesses game against Cameroon, there was a Cameron goal that was called for offside where she was a fra- she was back to goal. Mm. Her heel was offside, yeah. essentially, and it disallowed the goal for that reason. There was no way that player was in advantaged by having her heel offside. Mm. And in my opinion, that shouldn't be offside, although by the letter of the law it is. The other issue you're talking about, Phil, is the pace of the game and the yeah. way it's... Well, I think I think a bit of both. What, what's VAR are there to do? Is it to make sure that every decision is forensically 100% accurate mm-hmm. or is it to prevent a howler? I would say it's there to prevent a howler. Mm-hmm. It's there to prevent a massive match-defining event being decided upon a faulty decision. So if that's what it's there to do, let it do that. It's not there to adjudicate whether Steve tripped me up on the halfway line mm. or, or I'm, as you say, a bootlace offside. It's yeah. there for the lad who's three yards offside and the linesman somehow misses it. Yes. And then you go, right, we're going to have a, we're not happy about that. We're going to have a look at this on VAR and then we're going to get the right decision for the game. So adopting something like a referral system allows that important and that pace and play thing, I think, is crucial. Even in the Women's World Cup, they've not celebrated goals because they're yeah. waiting for it to be yeah. go to VAR. And as a fan, it's just going to absolutely kill your match day experience. Because in the Premier League this year, any goal from a corner, they're probably going to look at. And the mm. problem is, is the technology hasn't been phased in. It's come in all guns are blazing and it will be the same in the Premier League next season. The technology will smash the door down and everyone won't understand what's going on. Mm. And this is the thing. It's been too big a sea change. Technology, when it comes into sport, it needs to be phased in. It needs to be implemented in, in a more staggered way so that people can get used to it. I'm not a big advocate of VAR. I've been very vocal on social media no, about how, how I dislike yeah. it. I really don't like it. The idea of it is fantastic, but it's not black and white. In other sports, it's black and white. The ball was over the line. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, Frank yeah. Lampard's non-goal against Germany, the 2010 World Cup. Everyone's screaming for technology because it impacted England in a negative way in the World Cup. England lost the game. What if that Lampard goal had gone in? Goal line technology, for the most part, is black and white. Yeah. The referees watch beeps within a, a split second. The ball's over the line or it's not over the line. Now, we've seen that this season within the, the what is it, 11 millimetres or whatever it was yeah, in the yeah. Man City-Liverpool game. Yeah. And, and there weren't too many complaints about that, no, if any. With VAR, you're rewinding the footage and you're looking back and, you, and the offside rule is the, is the main issue with VAR and the handball rule as well. There's so many different branches to it. And the problem is, is, is you're passing the opinion of the referee onto another person who is also a referee in a room 350 miles away in a truck somewhere in Uxbridge. It's just you're passing the opinion of one man who's paid to do the job in the middle of the game to another person. Well, I just, I'm not a fan of VAR. don't like it. I'd I'd rather see it scrapped completely, but I can understand why people are lobbying for it. It should be and could be a very good idea. At the moment, it's not and it needs to change. I think you hit the nail on the head there that VAR is 
a good idea. No one can argue that getting more decisions right in the game is good. Mm. The problem is, as you call, it's being used for decisions that aren't black and white because the rules of football weren't designed to be examined in the way they're being examined mm. under VAR. They were designed to be judged by the naked eye. Okay. So does a referee watching an incident think it's a handball? Yes or no. When you slow it down or look at different angles, it can look any way. It can change the interpretation of that 100%. Are you offside? Is it a bootlace offside? Is yeah. it a heel offside? It, again, to the naked eye, it might not appear that way, even if physically there is yeah. a small part of that person that's offside. So if we're going to introduce VAR then surely we need to relook at all the rules in football and go, this is how they will be interpreted. This is how they'll change. And then you fundamentally change the game between the professional game and the amateur but game. But that's the problem. It's, it's coming all guns are blazing. It's, it's changed everything already in such a short space of time. A good way to, to look at it, in my opinion, is how many decisions can you think of over the last 10 years off the top of your head that would have benefited from VAR? I can think of one, and that was Thierry Omri's handball against Ireland in the yeah. World Cup qualifier. Now, if there was VAR, Thierry Henry would have been banned. He would have been yeah. reprimanded, blah, blah, blah. He's come out and apologised, but France got to the World Cup that year. Ireland didn't. Ireland suffered. The Republic of Ireland suffered because of that. That's the only one I can think of that would have benefited from VAR. There's so many, oh, it was offside, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. But that's part of football. Isn't the whole thing, isn't, isn't even the Henri thing part of football, though? It's part of the rich tapestry that makes the game interesting. That's, bla- that's blatant cheating. cheating. That's like idea. Stuart Broad edging the, edging the ball to first slip against Australia and not walking off. I, know, I don't know what that means. Get, I don't know what that means. We get very excited about football and we get very excited about our teams winning and losing. But at the end of the day, it is a game and it doesn't really matter. So does it matter that but these decisions are getting But it does matter, absolutely, wrong? because... So, case in point, now there is it before. Liverpool, Man City, ball was 11 millimetres over the goal line. That decides the title. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. At, at the flip end of that coin, that could decide a promotion and relegation to the Premier League. It's worth hundreds of millions of pounds. So, whether we like it or not, in terms of it's just a game. But don't you remember the managers all going, like, a couple of years ago, they'd all go, it evens out over a season. Particularly when a decision was made against you. It yeah. evens out, or for you, it evens out over the season. Yeah. They'll get it back. But... It, over over a period of time, it absolutely does even out over hundreds of years, whatever. But in reality, in a microcosm, a season's only thirty eight games. <laughs> in you know, in a thirty eight. Try telling games. Sean Dyche that. I think Burnley went sixty odd games without getting a penalty. Yeah, Newcastle hadn't played against, hadn't had a numerical advantage for like five years or something until Alder was sent off from Huddersfield was sent off against them this season. It, it's crackers, and so over the time, over the longer the period of time, the the greater the sample size. Yes, it does even out, obviously. But the reality is that. It might cost you 100 million quid. You know, towns, Huddersfield's town economic prosperity mm. is oh, affected the by the there. fact that they're not going to be in the Premier League next year. <laughs> yeah. So it, whilst it is just a game, it's not anymore, unfortunately. So we like the idea, but we don't like the way it's being implemented currently. Yeah. It needed to be phased in, like Niall said. And, and it, it should only be used for decisions that can be objectively proven. Mm. Agreed. The other very slight, I mean, the Cameroon versus England game in the Women's World Cup was like a microcosm of everything that is wrong with VAR. And the other issue that we saw at the weekend was the Cameroon players reacting to a replay of the decision on the big screen, which is also something that will be in the Premier League next season. They'll be mm-hmm. re-showing VAR decisions on the big screens in the stadium, which is weird because it's something that the Premier League has always shied away from, mm-hmm. showing controversial things as replays in bowl, as it's called. The Cameroon players saw the replay, disagreed with the decision and pretty much refused to play after that. The game pretty much stopped for like 10 minutes as they all complained, essentially. We're going to see more of that in the Premier League. And the last thing we want to see in the Premier League is more players 
giving stick to the refs over decisions. I don't, you'll I you'll don't not see it in the Premier League. I don't think no. you will. I think there'll be a brief put out and meetings in place and sessions with the teams about kind of respecting decisions and respecting the referee's word and stuff like Players that. Get, it'll, just, it'll be handled a lot more uh, strictly, yeah, strictly than, yeah. The, than the referee managed. They, they should have had... They could have been staring down the barrel having four players sent off yesterday. Yeah, it was a disgraceful yeah. game was to watch, terrible. wasn't it? It was awful. Terrible. But, I mean, this is the thing. I think they have to have replays in stadiums. Because if you're paying 60 quid a ticket at the Emirates and it goes to VAR for three minutes and you don't know what's going on, you're sat in the stands having paid money for a live ticket to the game, not knowing what's going on. Why is it a VAR review? So, at cricket, for example, to use that sport, it's announced over the Tannoy. We have an umpire's review yeah. for LBW, and then and it's become part of the, the game voice. Yeah. The voice of the third umpire is then piped through the stadium speakers. It's put on the screen, and everyone's watching the screen, even the players in the middle. And once they know that their fate has been sealed, they're out or not out, they then start walking off, or they stay where they are. That's just how it goes. So referees will benefit from having the the decisions on the screen because, like you say, if there's more right decisions, then it's mm. good for the game. The thing is, the players need to get to grips with the fact that now they are going to be at the mercy of technology and they're going to have to get used to that. But it's good for the paying supporter who churns out money every week to go and watch their team to be able to see what's going on in the stands. It's absolutely baffling. TV audiences, they, they get the benefit of the replays. Whereas the person sat in the stands who's, who's travelled 300 miles to watch their Newcastle playing Brighton away, sat in the stands, you don't know why there's a VAR review. It's another debate so it about has the, to be, has the to value be of match-going fans it has to, to the be sport, isn't it? Yeah. Especially the Arsenal fans that have to disappear for the tube as well before the, <laughs> before the game finishes, and that, you know because of the links are on there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens suffer. over the next nine months during the season, and it's just testament to the fact they've not got it right yet, and the fact that again during the Women's World Cup they're changing rules mm. about VAR and the way keepers come off lines during the tournament, which is absolutely insane. Mm. But we'll see how that pans out over the next nine months. This is Premier League Daily, a podcast brought to you every single day during the Premier League season. We're going to take a break, and then we'll be back to discuss Marcus Rashford and Jesse Lingard. We're going to be talking about Rafa Benitez's contract at Newcastle United and Harry Maguire. Is he worth 80 million quid? Doing that next on the Premier League Daily. Premier League Daily from the Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Welcome back to the Premier League Daily. I'm Jim. We've got Phil Hudson there. We've got Steve McNaughton there. Nar McCorn's over there. And next on the agenda, we're going to be talking about Marcus Rashford <laughs> and Jesse Lingard, who should be sacked, according to the tabloid papers. After Andy and posting, Holloway. And, <laughs> yeah, after posting a controversial, and I'm saying controversial in inverted commas, video on social media. If you've not seen the video yet, here's a little clip. Bye. Bye, room. It's been emotional. Seen a lot of, seen a lot of shit in this room. Yeah, so seen a lot of shit, a lot of good memories in this room. Now on to the next room. Mr. Marcus, that's his room. Seen a lot of shit, a lot of sleeping. Don't forget, been a lot of sleeping in this room. No, there's not. There's been a lot of sleeping. Oh, look at the views. Look at the views, man. Views, man. Oh, insane. So the recalls for the players to be sacked off the back of that video. I mean. It's just insanity, isn't it? Am I yeah. am I only the only person that thinks it's absolutely crazy that these boys are getting such criticism for what is a harmless video at the end of the day? Um, I'm more I'm more bothered by just how poor quality their crack is. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and how it shows how maladjusted young footballers are. But um, 
I mean, in terms of things like calling for them to be sacked, Ian Holloway is, I mean, the, the voice the, the, of, yeah, yeah, a bastion of common sense, Ian Holloway, <laughs> is, is called for them to be sacked for violating their morals clause. This is the man who said, uh, one more winning code. a football match is like pulling a bird. <laughs> he said that yeah. once. He did say yeah, that he did, once. Yeah, I remember that. He also <laughs> said that if he, he, he felt like if he fell into a bucket of boobs, he'd come out sucking his thumb. <laughs> that was another another one of his classic ones. It's not something I choose to watch or want to be want to see. The the, the bigger issue I'd have with it is just they've willingly put themselves out there mm. like with some in joke that just makes them look a bit stupid. Yeah. What what's their agent telling them there? Yeah, as well, also because Man United are doing so badly, it's almost like a kick in the teeth to the supporters in a way. Yeah. Because they're seeing these people acting like clowns. These people that are paid good money and all footballers are. So, I mean, I don't understand this. Oh, they get paid this argument because it's re- irrelevant. All footballers get paid well. That's beyond the point. The point is their performances in their role as Manchester United footballers this season has not been good enough. And then the supporters see them going on their summer break to Dubai in a top story hotel room, um, being idiots. Fans see this and they think, well, you know, they, they feel almost insulted. Mm. If Manchester United had won the league in the FA Cup this season, nobody would have said anything. They might have said, look at these idiots doing this. But I don't think it would have been magnified in the way that it has been at the moment. Just because United are doing so badly, that's, for me, part of the reason why this is being scrutinised I think so it's, no one's expecting them to go and spend their summer holidays in a monastery meditating about the bad <laughs> season they've had. Nah. But if you have a bad week at work, it doesn't necessarily ruin your weekend. You still go and have a drink and go and do whatever it is you're doing at yeah. the weekend. But you don't necessarily send your boss a video of yourself doing it. I guess that's Stupid the difference. Lingard's yeah, yeah. got form as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he has got form. L- Lingard, Lingard loves his Instagram, loves his Snapchat, same as Pogba. And he, he put, didn't he put that clothing video out today that Liverpool beat him at yeah. Anfield yeah. as well? Yeah, he did. It's, it's just as it's just Roy Keane went about that. Yeah. Just thoughtless, isn't he? That he, he doesn't look at the sort of bigger optics around his conduct or anything like that. He just at the same time you've got to factor in he's just a young lad. He is a young lad, but he's got a twenty-seven-year-old young lad. It's not that Jesse, young. Jesse Lingard's 27. 27. Yeah. We, get, we have this conversation with so many people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I thought he was about yeah. 21. No, no. <laughs> I, thought he was, I thought he was somewhere in between. I don't think he was... Just, He's in, 27. In the grand scheme of things, 27 is still quite young. Though. And, and like, <laughs> but it's a bit old like, to be who, doing that type did... of stuff in a hotel room, isn't it? Mm, possibly. I mean, who? I mean, I don't want to talk about your cricket tours and that. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> who didn't do something they regretted when they were 27? But <laughs> possibly didn't post it on social media. I think that's a different podcast. Ten million followers. <laughs> I've not got there yet. We'll find out. <laughs> I think. I think the way you got to look at it is, if that is the worst behaviour that them as footballers getting up to it's posting ridiculous. silly videos, they're angels. Yeah, it's ridiculous. To a lot it's of other a, people in the sport. I think that footballers are a lot more accessible these days with all the social media channels and and stuff. And I think they've just got to think on a little bit there because they are a, a humongous club that's going through a really bad time at the minute. And I think, like like Niall said, that is a, that is a kick in the teeth for the fans that you know seeing that type of behaviour. And I think they just need to wise up a little bit, especially Lingard, who I'm shocked that is 27 years of age. <laughs> well, rather than get the sack, it looks like Rashford's going to be given a brand new contract, 350,000 pound a week. Mental. Apparently, he's demanding from United. I mean, is he worth 350,000 pound a week, or no. is this just the Alexis Sanchez? effect where they've got a £500,000 a week player sitting on the bench for an entire season getting a paycheck and not offering anything to the team well they're not going to be able to get rid of him so the the players in that team your De Hairs and your Rashfords and Mm. 
whoever it is that you've got starting is going to be demanding parity with that player now, aren't they? Of course, yeah. They've made a rod for their own back with the way they've gone about business, I, I think. I don't know where that source is from. Marcus Rashford demanding 350k a week. I don't think there's much truth in that personally. Does that so that doesn't seem like an outrageous salary though? It is an outrageous salary in the mod, in the current game though. For a lad who scored for... 27 goals for Man United, it's absolutely outrageous, absolutely ridiculous. He's, I'm not even convinced he's that good. I think he's talented, but he's had after he burst onto the scene, he's had two relatively unproductive seasons. Agreed. 350 grand a week is a world class player salary. It's a with the hair, I kind of see it because I think over time he is one of the best coaches in the world. He's proven that. You could go and buy someone to do Rashford's job for fifty million quid and pay them one hundred and fifty grand a week, quite easily. I think if we mm-hmm. if he were to right. run out his contract though, and I think he's got a year left with a potential year extension, Manchester United have the option to extend that if they so wish. If he were to leave on a free and go somewhere else, and supposedly if you believe the reports that have been published, Real Madrid are interested. He'd, he'd get 350 grand a week easily, wouldn't he? I don't think he'd get in a Real Madrid team. I think he'd get a serious amount of money if he was on a free. I don't think there's any dispute about that because yeah, that's how, like, you know, you saw from Aaron Ramsey and you get a huge signing on fee in lieu of a transfer fee, but that isn't the barometer of whether a player's worth the money, mm. is it? That's that's whether the deal works and, and things like that. So yeah. to Manchester United, he's not worth 350 grand a week. If, you, if, you're, if you're Real Madrid signing him on a free... Maybe. I, I don't see where Marcus Rashford goes. I mean, it's hard to see where he fits at any other club. Just another Danny Welbeck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. He's going to be getting like hate mail from every man you know. He stays fit. Twitter. Yeah, he stays fit. I know what you're Danny saying, Niall. He has a certain amount of maybe leeway at Manchester United because he is that academy player. He's that youth player. He has shown a certain amount of talent, which buys him a bit of time to develop at United but if he was going to leave there where does he go? I think it's a double-edged sword for Rashford because obviously they do love him because he's from the academy but I also think that with the pressure of the players that have come through that Man United academy 20 years before him being the sort of the, the key kind of young player in, in a turbulent period I think that's been difficult for him mm. because he's had a lot of pressure to deal with you know look at some of the legendary players that United have produced in the past mainly under Sir Alex you know 20 odd years ago they haven't really produced anyone off note since then. They've produced mm. Pogba and they've got him back. But, I mean, Pogba, Rashford, Lingard, like, I mean, he, he had a fair few loan spells out at Birmingham and, and a couple of other places, I think. Described as a hot prospect for the last six years. Exactly. So, I mean, I think Rashford's probably got... smacked at that. Yeah, he's probably got a bit of a pressure from, from that. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword with him. Moving mm. to the other side of Manchester and talking about another value question City look like they've beaten United to the signing of Harry Maguire who is going to be joining Manchester City for somewhere between 65 and 80 million pounds if it's the latter that makes him the most expensive defender ever just beating Virgil van Dijk Hmm. is he worth five million quid more than Virgil van Dijk not a chance (laughs) no not a chance he's not even in the same league as van Dijk I don't understand why is City in for him it does seem like he doesn't seem like what the kind I, of player that fits in that system. What does it to replace Vincent Company? Is that is that what it is? Because they've lost the centre half. I guess so. Yeah. And, and Otamendi's getting on a bit. Otamendi, I think Otamendi wanted to leave in January. If, if that's what I was so you told. So want to go back to Argentina? Uh, I was told that Otamendi was very close to leaving Manchester City in January, uh, and, he, and he stuck around. Um, so yeah, Otamendi could well be off. So I mean, whether it be cover for him, I'm not so sure. I think they've got faith in this young lad, Eric Garcia, who they've got in the academy. Played a couple of Carabao Cup games for City this season. They've got faith in him. Looks a talented young centre half. But 80 million for Harry Maguire. 
I, I just, I, I, again, and it's, the another, wages it's another one down. I don't, maybe I'm just being cynical and I could be proved wrong within the space of 48 hours, but I just can't see this one happening. He doesn't I can't see Manchester City splashing £80 million on Harry Maguire. I just don't it'd see break where, record, I don't see, it would break their record by, by, by 20 million. Yeah, yeah, so I, 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 I don't see where he fits in their style of play. I understand Pep Guardiola is an admirer. During the All or Nothing documentary that was on Amazon, if you've seen that, the Manchester City season, yeah. Pep Guardiola criticises Harry Maguire and he cites him as a weakness in the Leicester City team, saying that he's not fast enough and City's players can exploit his lack of pace. Well, if you look at the Barca team that Pep managed, they, they had PK um, as, as a centre-half who was kind of the ball-carrying, ball-playing centre-half like Laporte would, would fit that role. And then... You had the elder statesman in Puyol, who was the more crash-bang-wallop, old-school centre-half. And that's kind of what Vincent Kompany, that's the kind of role he had. Maybe Pep would be targeting... Vincent Kompany's role in that City side has been minimal over the last few seasons. Laporte and Stones have been the main men, haven't they? Yeah, but I just think think maybe that's what Pep's thinking is, if he was to go in for Maguire, was was to have that option. You know, if you have four ball-playing centre-halves, when you do come up against a team like Burnley and you need a bit of physicality, or Newcastle, for example, you might need someone to stand in there and just be that muscle. And maybe that's what what Pep's thinking is. But I just personally don't see where Manchester City are going to fit Maguire in in, in a team that's already been excellent this season. I think he's actually better on the ball than anyone in this room's given him credit for. I think he's a decent ball-playing centre-half. Just and also the point you made, Jim, about him being targeted as a weakness in the Leicester backline, that that's all well and good. It was a while ago, to be fair, and we probably improved well, by then. Since then, but also mm. being a centre half playing for Leicester City, with all due respect to Leicester City, playing against Man City is very, very different to the requirements to be a centre half for Man City playing against yeah. anyone else. Mm. Because how much defending do you actually have to do? And if they want someone who's a threat from a set piece, who's good in the air and can play a bit, I think he ticks a lot of those boxes. He's still relatively young. Probably not as, you know, we're not getting into another Lingard situation, but he's not that old. He's English. I don't think they'll get hurt with him. He knows the league. He's played at a high level in the World Cup, all that sort of stuff. I don't think he'd be the worst capture. The fee at 80 million does seem a bit steep. Yeah. But like English like, tax, isn't yeah, it? It's, <laughs> yeah. but all, it's not just English tax. It's English tax. It's Man City tax. And it's potential transfer ban tax. City have probably got this window before they get in the same boat as Chelsea. Mm. So clubs are going to know that and they're going to have to pay a premium if they want to get guys in now. Also, there's the chance that it is agents talking up fees to raise fees with other clubs. If City are interested, that, as you say, puts 10, 15 million pounds onto your price tag. But even at 65 million on that basis, it's still expensive for him. I just find it strange for Manchester City with the with the Rodri news, which we spoke about uh, on the last podcast about you know seventy million release clause euros, sixty two point five breaking their transfer record. That's been emanating from both Spain and the City camp for a couple of months now. Mm. This Maguire thing, it's kind of like a it's just like the genies come out of the lamp. It's just yeah, a puff, it's puff like... of smoke. You don't really know where it's come from. Manchester City's interest in Maguire seems more unfounded than Manchester United's interest in Maguire, who. You know the red half of Manchester desperately need a, a new seems se- to make central more defender. Sense, that, doesn't it, it makes seems more sense. Make makes more sense. Probably need a couple, don't you? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think this is a strange one. I can't see it happening. I happily will come back on the show and, and get be proved wrong, but I just don't see it happening. Right, let's talk Newcastle, Phil. Mm. This is your lot. What is happening with Phil, uh, with Newcastle? What is happening with Rafa Benitez? You one, might want to sit down, mate. Yeah, one week left in his contract. <laughs> Have you put the key in the back of him? Winding <laughs> him right up. I'm almost Let too him go. to talk about this. They, they made me you take my belt and shoelaces out. <laughs> True story. Um, basically, his contract's up uh, on Sunday. Uh, there appears to be a stalemate in negotiations, and Newcastle United are prepared to let Rafa Benitez 
walk away from being their manager, seemingly, which strikes me as the most negligent piece of ownership in the history of the Premier League. Crazy. It's I mean, absolutely... even just in the history of Newcastle, that's quite, quite a thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just bonkers. You've got a guy who has to be in the top 15 managers in world football. He's yeah. done an astounding job. Yeah, Champions League winner. Champions League winner. He's won pretty much everything there is to win in the game by the Premier League. Um, stayed with Newcastle United when they went down, when his previous job had been Real Madrid. Um, adored by fans. Absolutely adored. You, probably the one unifying force at the football club. And they're just going to say, oh, don't worry about Rafa. We'll just not offer you what you want. It's 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 what crazy. Does he want? borderline criminal. What he does wants he want? autonomy over transfers. Right, that's and his mo- big and thing. money to spend as well. I mean, they, I think he's happy with the budget. From my my mm-hmm. understanding, that you know they've said it's roughly sixty million, although that does include agent fees. Well, look how he's worked with a small budget. Yeah, roughly sixty million, and he gets to retain any income that he makes from selling. And from when you, if you do some quick fact packet maths. You're probably talking about 100 million when he shifted a few when players yeah, on. Like, yeah. So you go, well, actually, that's that's a decent. What you could go and buy three or four 25 to 30 million pound players and make a huge difference to, to the your first eleven. To yeah. your first eleven yeah. with some good backups. The issue is that the club won't let him buy certain players over so a certain age. Over, they want to buy players under the age of 26 with resale value, and right. they don't want to give him which full means, autonomy over how he spends yeah, his money. Which means Rondon's out then. Yeah, I think, and I think Rondon has probably been one of the biggest sticking points. Because he came in last year, he wanted to buy him last year for 16 million. 16 million would probably get the job done this year. It should be an absolute no-brainer. He's last season's player of the year. Absolutely fantastic. Pivotal of the way we play. For a striker now. It's, it's what did he say this time last year? Five million gets you a guy who runs in a straight line. That was what he said. Ten million gets you a guy who can kick. That and he was being sort of reductive, but but there's some truth in it. As you say, 16 million quid. Yeah. For a guy he's 29. He was player of the LSC. I think he got double figures, which is the same number of goals as Marcus Rashford got, by the way, because I've just checked. And He's a monster and as he, well. And he just occupies people. He's a nightmare to play. I don't understand who Newcastle United could buy who's 26 years old and do the same job for 16 million. Quid. Do you genuinely believe that Newcastle as a club, Mike Ashley as an owner, is trying to keep Rafa at that club? Is there any intent at all to have him sign a new contract? Or is it all... Smoke and mirrors. Oh, we, we're trying to get him. We're trying to get him to stay. We're trying to get him to stay. But actually, the long-term plan is ship it for whatever reason. I, I don't can't know what think that of what is. that reason would be. But I, I think it's clear that Mike Ashley is a gambler, and he believes that he can gamble, and he can sort of. It, it feels very brinkmanshipy. Like this talk yeah. about China, I don't buy into that. Um, we were talking about before that we were on air. I, I don't see him going to China. I think mm-hmm. that's probably smoke and mirrors agent talk. Supposedly three hundred thousand yeah, pound a week or something, something ridiculous. Been offered. Um, but, and I think Ashley thinks, I think Ashley genuinely believes he'll be able to coerce him into signing a deal against his will. And I just, I just don't see it happening. I think, um, I think this is a pivotal two weeks for Newcastle as a football club. And I, it sounds really serious, but I genuinely think, because as Phil says, Raf is the one unifying thing at, at Newcastle. It's the only thing that the supporters all agree on, yeah. whether you're, you're Ashley in or Ashley out. And I, I would argue most of them probably are Ashley out. Um, but, you know, you have to suggest that this is so important. It's pivotal because even if Rafa does come back, is that damage beyond repair now? That relationship between the manager and the, the hierarchy at that football club? Because the fans are always going to be there for him. But it's the working relationship that he has with the board. Is it Charnley, the man who's in there? Yeah, Lee's the yes man. man. Yeah. What's, ha- right. what's, happening, what's happening there? So, I mean, is that damage beyond repair? How, how well, important is that well, for Newcastle in the next two the weeks? With the takeover is, in the background and all that I mean, stuff. the takeover. Is that cool. still happening? Or? Let's worry about that when it happens. But right. Benitez wants contractual written assurances. That's the point. He's saying, they're saying, oh, well, da, da, da. He's saying, no, 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 you've, you've stitched me up twice already. Write it down. Yeah. Write it down. Put mm. it in paper. 
and that's that's the, currently the sticking point that he wants these written assurances. It the only positive thing Mike Ashley's done for Newcastle United Football Club in the last five years really is to bring in Rafa Benitez, mm-hmm. and everything else has been very one way. And you know, as a businessman, I can see some of the stuff. You know, I, I sort of get it, mm. and I'm so I'm not Phil, as Phil. It's just being announced he's leaving. I'm sorry, mate. Have you really just said that? You're not winding me up? No, mate, look. That's, well, I mean, that just says it all. What Newcastle United, what Mike is, Ashley, what a shambles. What does that say for the future of Newcastle now, then, if he's gone? Civil, civil War. No, no two ways about it. There is literally steam the club, coming the off The club him. will literally, the fans will, je- I mean, I, I don't want to sound sort of dr- dramatic, but riot, they'll be absolute hell on. Um... Do you mean like them turning up at the stadium and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, complete. Yeah. Do you remember the scenes at West Ham? Yeah. Um, a few years ago, widely condemned. Mm. That that's the next step. Mm. This, I said this before about um, people saying, you know, Mike Ashley, they want him out of the football club. Um, the only way to really force an owner out is to not turn up to games and vote with your feet. But those supporters love that football club so much that their love for Newcastle overrides anything that 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 man could do. So this is a real sort of turning point, I think, now. Mm. Uh, Like I say, it's pivotal in the future of that Mm. club. Are we going to see protests like Phil suggests? Are we going to see people stopping turning up to games? Because that is the only way you can get your message across. I can't see that happening. I went to Turf Moor with Phil last year, Mm. uh, sorry, earlier this year when uh, Newcastle were playing Burnley. They, they're amazing fans. They, they in a stadium making that noise, stood up, singing non-stop for, for you know for the duration of the game. They are brilliant to be around, and um, I, I really feel for for the people that support that club at the minute because that is that is a travesty, uh, what's gone on there. And I think who whoever they could try and target now to bring into that club, they just Gary, want to Gary Monk. Gary Monk's favourite. Gary, well, Gary Monk's the next favourite to be in the Cash United manager. Well, the real bad it's news a bit of a is, downgrade, is, isn't it? Gary Monk. <laughs> The bad news is that Alan Pardew's off the table. He's off to the MLS. That's that's so, yeah. certain. <laughs> Pardiola will not be back. Uh, <laughs> I do have a statement here from Newcastle if I can load it, but it's taken a while to load I think, I because so it. many people are, are, are clicking on it. What's it on Sky Sports? Um, but on the Newcastle United Twitter account, which is all I can go off, is what they've tweeted. It is with disappointment that we announce manager Rafael Benitez will leave Newcastle United upon the expiry of his contract on the 30th of June 2019. I'm just trying to load the statement. The fact you're it, reading it, this it, it like, a, like, like an obituary. That's how it will Does feel. It, yeah. That's how it will feel for those My, my own Twitter update was much more succinct. <laughs> they'll, they'll never get that level of coaching. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, like, like Phil said, top 15 in the world, won pretty much mm. everything by the Premier League. His knowledge, he's, he's kind of network of, of, of people that work for him and spot these players like your, your Zabi Alonso's for 10 million, your Fernando Torres for 22 million. Um, you, to lose that eye and 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 that level of connection and the lad he pulled from uh, in January, the big signing in January, Al- Almiron, mm. really tidy player for a relatively small sum, sum of money. So I've got, I've got the statement if you want me to. Go on. We have worked hard to extend Rafa's contract over a significant period of time. However, it has not been and will not be possible to reach an agreement with Rafa and his representatives. Rafa's coaching staff, Paco de Miguel Moreno, Antonio Gomez-Perez and Mikel Antia will also leave the club on the 30th of June. We'd like to thank Rafa and his coaching team for their efforts over the last three years and their significant contribution to what has been collectively achieved. We'd also like to thank our supporters, players and staff for their patience during a period of uncertainty. The process to appoint a successor will now begin. Pretty big news to finish the Premier League Daily podcast on. We'll let Phil go off and gather his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> on suicide watch. 
But uh, Phil, Steve, Niall, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, we'll be back Jim. soon with another Premier League Daily. And don't forget this show will be on every single day during the Premier League season. Make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a show. Premier League Daily from the Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. The Manchester Football Social is evolving. You'll still be able to get all the latest opinions and news on Manchester United and City. But now as part of a daily Premier League podcast. All the big stories, gossip, laughs and highlights from the biggest league in the world. Discussed by real passionate football fans. And no footballing dinosaurs. You can join the evolution by searching Sports Social wherever you find your podcasts and hitting subscribe. And now find us on your Amazon smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social for daily news updates on your team. Sports Social, a voice for fans. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.